just begun. All right, here we go. My name's Todd. This is Kathy. I, I hate turning this song off because it's just one of those songs, but uh, otherwise it would be a six-minute intro. You're trying to be Freddie? Freddie. Uh, so why am I playing that song, sweetie? Did we see that movie? We did. We give, finally Give everybody a review. So oh, let me introduce the show first. Okay. Uh, podcast number 465. We think the title of the show is going to be... Uh, we're sick of being angry or well, something like that? Well, I think it's going to be something about anger. But let's do the title when we're done. Okay, yeah. Usually we do the title when we're done. And then we were talking this morning as you're leaving for yoga. And I said, there's the title. But since this morning, our strategy has since changed. So uh, this is End Parenting Radio. Why listen to End Parenting Radio? Because you'll feel outstanding. And always remember our motto, which is the best predictor of a child's well-being is a parent's self-understanding. On today's show, I'm going to play some clips from last night's Saturday Night Live, Saturday Night Live episode, which we watched with all three of our daughters, as a matter of fact, um, or at least some of it, not all of it. Um, and then you got some other stuff up your sleeve. Yes, up my sleeve. And I'm going to share a few iTunes reviews or whatever, but uh, let's start out with the review of the movie called Bohemian Rhapsody. Here's my thoughts on Bohemian Rhapsody. So I've been excited to see this movie for like a year. Um, because the first time I saw that, I think we were in the theater mm -hmm. and the first time I saw the trailer in the theater, I think I actually cried cause I was like, Oh my gosh, sweetie, you, you cry a lot. I cried also with the first time I saw the trailer for a star is born. You also cried last yesterday when we were watching our kid do cheerleading stuff. Yes. Even though our kid wasn't even on the floor. <laughs> I just like watching people that's it's so, it's all the same right i was crying during the the trailer of bohemian rhapsody because freddie mercury is a a force and i don't know all of his story i know more of it now but i knew what he had been through and who he was and to see him perform was amazing and same with a star is born watching lady gaga go up on that stage and then to see the, all these girls at this cheerleading competition <clears throat> This is kind of our first experience with that, mm -hmm. you and I. I mean, I used to do dance in high school, but it was nothing like it is now. Yep. And to see these girls whipping these girls in the air and then catching them, and then girls who fall but get back up, I was just moved. It wasn't all about the extraordinary... It wasn't all about them doing it perfectly. It was far from it. It yep. was about when they didn't and how they managed it. I was so impressed with the girl's resilience, and that's what made me cry. So going back to Bohemian Rhapsody, um, I think that what I told Todd is I think it's going to be like the best, one of the best cheesy movies ever. And I say that with love because I the 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 songs and and I think his name's Rami Malek, uh, said his name, who played know. Freddy. He's amazing. And I felt like I was watching Freddy, but I gotta I gotta be honest and keep it real and say some of the dialogue was pretty cheesy. Yeah. Um, I thought the way that they did the movie was a tiny bit campy. Um, I don't know what that means. Well, it just had a little bit of like we're all in on the on the that we all know this isn't real, but we're kind of like going through the motions of it a little bit, like. You know, there were scenes where I kind of was like, wow, there it felt soap opery where you're explaining everything that's happening mm -hmm. in the scene. Yeah. Now, with that said, for those of you who love the movie, I loved it too. Yeah. I just can't say that it's like, wow, that screenplay was amazing. I mean, Todd and I, we both came out of the theater and we were laughing at one line where Mary, his his love. Freddie's love. Freddie's love comes in and says, Freddie, you're burning the candle at both ends. And he's like, but 
that's why it shines so bright. Yeah, like a little cheesy. Stuff like that where you're like, it's just, it doesn't land that And then great. I said it reminded me of a guy named Dylan from Beverly Hills 90210. And one of his quotes was, may the bridges I burn light my way. It was very like that. Like yeah. there was a lot of like really, you know, that's what I mean by, but with that said, with even those cheesy components and a few scenes that were a little bit hard to watch, I could have watched that movie more. Like I, if it could have gone on longer, I love to watch Queen on stage. And so I just got excited for the performances and to hear their songs. Yeah. Um, so with that said, I really liked it. I yeah. mean, I had a great time. I thought it was good simply because I um, didn't know a lot about Freddie. And obviously the movie is pretty much just about Freddie. And uh, so I didn't know where it was going. I mean, I know he died of AIDS. I didn't know when. It turned out it was in 1991. 91. And I heard you, dad, you and your dad saying, though, that we I had the date wrong on... Yeah, Live Aid was in 85. 85, yeah. Sorry about that. Um, so anyways, I, I recommend it. Um, it's not... It's not going to knock your socks off, but it's good. It'll knock your socks off in certain ways, yeah. and in certain ways, you'll just have to kind of suspend belief a little bit because it moves quickly. In they have to get in through in certain other ways. Well, no. but in other ways, it's okay as long as you balance out the want walk. Because I didn't think there was anything. <laughs> Okay, That's balanced. Got it. And here's something that cracks me up, everybody, just to kind of bring this full circle with Todd and I. So I don't know if all of you know this, but the reason my girlfriend, Lara, introduced me to Todd, wanted to introduce me to Todd, is I was very big into the movie Wayne's World, which I know sounds really weird, but it was just I used to quote it all the time around my girlfriends. And then Lara knew Todd, and he would always quote this movie and was kind of like me about movies. So she really wanted us to meet. So not that Todd and I really watch Wayne's World anymore, but that's kind of what was the beginning of our relationship. So I knew that Mike Myers was in this movie. Yeah. And he kind of he makes a cameo, and Todd knew too. And then, but then when the movie was over, I go, I go. That part with Mike Myers was kind of funny, and you didn't even recognize him. No, I noticed his name in the opening credits. Forgot that I noticed his name in the opening credits, and then you're like, oh, he was this guy, and he was had a lot of makeup, a lot of facial hair. Yeah, I did not recognize Mike Myers. So why I I'm saying that about Wayne's World is because there's a funny part in the movie. Not giving anything away here. You can look for him yourself. But he actually makes a comment and says about the the song Bohemian. Rhapsody, if you think a bunch of kids are going to be driving around in their car listening to this jamming out, then you're you're strongly mistaken, which is funny because, as we know, in Wayne's world, Wayne and Garth as drive around we in a know, car. Not everybody knows that, sweetie. Everybody knows the Bohemian Rhapsody Sweetie scene thinks that sometimes everybody knows what she knows. Well, you're, I, I know there are sometimes you're 100% right that I'm lost in my own head, but most people know Wayne's world and Bohemian Rhapsody, right? Uh, yes, but it's safe to say there most people aren't as familiar with that scene as you and I are. Okay. Well, there is a scene in Wayne's World where they sing along to Bohemian Rhapsody in a car, banging their heads, you know, like enjoying it. So Mike Myers just says that in the movie, yeah. and it's funny. It's yeah. a funny nod. And you know, Todd just said the movie is about Freddie, which it really is. It's his story, and 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 he, it, it's a it's a heart wrenching, beautiful, uh, you know, it's it's all over the board as as everybody's lives are. But the other band members are really, really cool. And yep. Todd and I have been talking all weekend about how much we appreciate, uh, especially Brian May, who... He's the long hair guy that looks like Howard Stern. Yeah. And he, he was actually on NPR, what was that, 2009? Mm -hmm. and they, but they replayed his interview with Terry Gross the other day. And the dude is a, has a doctorate in astrophysicism. Physicism? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's astrophysics. Physics. <laughs> 
That's why I don't have a doctorate in astrophysics because I can't even say it. But he's a wait. How about he's an astrophysicist? Yeah, you could say that. Is that right? Sure. Okay, and he and he like writes books. He's like what Neil deGrasse Tyson is. Yeah. And here he is like this this. And he was such a um, warm, you know. Usually rock and roll bands and that break up. Everybody's drunk and stoned and, and high arguing. and arguing. And Freddie was a little bit of that. But the other three seemed like really grounded, normal guys. Now maybe they were just screwed up as the other ones, but it sure didn't seem like it. At least that's not what the movie depicted. It, nor did the interview that we heard with Brian. Right. Like, they Just, were also respectful of each other. They loved Freddie. Freddie loved them. They were all really good friends. They called each other family, mm-hmm. even though Freddie, um, because he, he, he finally, Brian May said he finally said, I am, I am gay. Yeah. But most of his life, like in the 80s, he would say he was bisexual because he was in that relationship with Mary and then other men. Um, but he never did marry or have children or settle down and, yeah. and the other guys in the band did he never did marry mary he didn't marry mary but he was with that dude at the end john you must be very proud mary mr hip all right can we move um okay because we're 10 minutes in and we just did that i know thing. but it's a good movie so go see bohemian rhapsody and have a good time so before we get into the saturday night, saturday night live clips yes. um we have a virtual presentation slash discuss discussion tomorrow tomorrow mm-hmm. And we did one at our library last week, and it's about sex, sex edge, sex ed. It's about consent. It's about sexual assault, things like that. So you could be on the other side of the world and join us. So if you're on Team Zen, it's free. But if you're not, it's 20 bucks. Uh, it's at noon tomorrow. If you can't make it, we'll send you the recording afterwards of what, how Kathy and I work off of it. Go ahead. So you can see the video and you'll get a podcast version of it. So you can listen to it like a Ooh, podcast. I don't know about that, sweetie. They've, oh, it, we won't? You can get an audio version, but the, oh, it's pod, an audio the, version? the podcast is something specific for Team Zen members. Oh, I'm sorry. That's a password protected thing. Got it. Okay, but they will get an audio yeah, they recording. Can have an, yeah, we can get an audio recording to them. It just won't be in their podcast app. Got it. The okay. way Team Zen, Zen Talks are. Because they get special stuff. But so again, join us. That would be Wednesday, November 13th, 13th at noon. Like Todd said, we're going to talk about sex, sexual assault, consent, and it's a live call so you can ask questions. And if you're listening to this afterwards, it's actually going to be in our store so you can buy it after the case, after the fact, but you won't be able to join us live, but you can listen and we'll send you the PowerPoint that we work oh, off of okay. and all that other stuff. So, cool. um, but before I do that, um, at the library, oh, what's the date? Uh, December 4th, we are screening I Am Evidence and we have eight people signed up. I know. So what's the deal with that? I'm going to play 60 seconds of it just to kind of generate some interest in how important this documentary is. You okay with that? Absolutely. Okay. Someone touches you, you tell, you tell, you tell. They did a rape kid on me. I thought they're just gonna go out in the week and catch them. And right now, my name is on a box, on a shelf that has never been tested. Really stunning news today about the number of rape cases police have never even tried to solve. I had no clue. People stockpiled rape kits. Rape kits. Untested. Never opened, never tested. I was shocked. There was just racks in an abandoned warehouse with windows open and birds flying around. I could understand one city being negligent, but a nation? When you find out that you have thousands of kits, what do you do? We had to bring justice to these victims. The rape kit backlog is the most shocking demonstration of how we regard these crimes. There were rapists who were not caught. And I can't understand what was so unimportant about me. What were you, 
wearing that particular morning? What they see doesn't look like a real victim. All right. So why I was surprised that there's not a lot of people who have RSVP'd to see this movie, because it's free at, right. the at our local library. I know for those of you who don't live in Chicagoland, I know why you're not coming. Yeah. But it's about all the things that, like, we our sex class sold out in, like, a day, yeah, 100 there's a, people. There's a disconnect There's somewhere. a disconnect, and this is not about us. This is about, this movie is about misogyny. Mm. It's about sexual assault. It's about, um, you know, what's going on in our system of justice regarding rape. So it's the same content. Yeah, one is sold out yeah. and one has eight people signed so, so you and I aren't doing a good job selling it, I guess. I don't know. Um, and then if you live somewhere else, um, most of these films that are screened, it's like at least $500 to do that. Um, with this one was like a lot cheaper. I think it was like 50 bucks really? or a hundred bucks. I forget how much it was, but this, they don't, they don't want to make money on this. They want to spread this message. So if you're interested, go, I don't know what the website is, but just Google. I think it's imevidence.com. And and schedule a screening at your local library if they do stuff like that, or at your house with your girlfriends or your boy or your boyfriends or your husbands, whatever. It's it's an important documentary. So yeah, and I think what it does is it gives us information through a story. Yes. Because why do we take rape kits and why do we not prosecute or even it's not even about? I, I talked about this during during our sexual assault talk last week. Like not everything is about getting someone put in prison and calling yeah. them a criminal. It's about believing that these things are happening to women and we're disregarding these things and basically saying we don't care and we don't believe that this was really harmful. Yeah. So come see this movie at the library with us and then Todd and I will be there so we can answer questions afterwards if you have any. Um, but it's just a free movie. Yeah. Bring your friends. It's 7 o'clock on the December 4th. 4th. December 4th. Um, so I have three different sets of clips okay. for Saturday Night, Saturday Night Live. Do you want me to do the monologue? Uh, it's like 35 seconds just when he talks about boating. What do you think about that? Uh, sure. All right. So this Liv Schreiber. Liv Schreiber. I think it's like a Liv. I don't know. Like you're saying L.I. And I don't know. I never saw that show that he's talking about that everybody Ray knew. Ray Donovan? Never watched it. But okay. all I did watch was Spotlight. And you just loved this his character and you loved his depiction of that character. So anyways. He's my fave. So obviously Saturday Night Live monologues are all supposed to be funny. Um, and his was. But at the end, he kind of did a little public service announcement. Yes. And here we go. The show, I just, I just want to say that uh, this has been a truly incredible week for me. Uh, not just getting to host SNL, but this past Tuesday, we had an election. And before we ramp up the rhetoric again, can we just take a minute to revel in the fact that over a hundred million people got off their butts and voted? That's the highest voter turnout for a midterm election in the history of this country. So regardless of what side of the aisle you sit on, whether you feel like you won or you lost, well, what that number says to me is that we showed up. We showed up because we care. We care about our children and we care about our country. So thank you all from the bottom of my heart for showing up. And it's a good thing you did. We've got a great show for you. There we go. Yes. Yeah, I thought that was nice. I think that's such a beautiful way to talk about it, too, which is actually what this show will be about, I think, as you and I are going to talk about anger or how we say things 
um, but then remind each other that we're all in this together, right? That's really, I'm hoping what this show will be about. And, you know, let's just focus on the fact that just like he said, regardless of how you feel about the outcome of the election, actually, we have not talked yeah. on the show since then. Like, regardless of how... Because last week's show was on Was on voting that day. day. That's right. So, um, you know... If regardless, like he said, if you felt like you won or lost, or if you're upset about a certain election or whatever, the bottom line is, we had a historic election, yeah. like a hundred million people. Yeah, think about that. Yeah, I don't know how many voted in the presidential election, but and I know it was more than who just voted for these midterms. But midterms are typically hugely. There's a huge downturn in huge. people who show up. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that uh, did not show itself this uh, midterm, people care. And I like the way he said it. People just showed up. Mm-hmm. And and that's the thing is that, you know, regardless of which side of the aisle, people are showing up because they're concerned. Yeah. And concern in this way, and this is kind of what we're talking about with anger, concern or anger can, can work in our benefit mm-hmm. if we're thoughtful about how we're using it. Yeah. And we're it's not... You, have, you need to have more words for the term angry. You do. That is, oh my gosh, Chad, that's so funny. I don't know if you saw what I was doing as you were getting ready, but no. I just was reading all these articles about from some people I love about anger, and that was really the predominant theme was we need to have... Or extenuating words like once we get angry how do we turn that into something and what is that word don't the eskimos have like 100 words for snow (laughs) that sounds right how is it that we only have one word and i'm sure we have more than one word for anger but but yeah i feel like because there's negative anger and and you know we teach our kids you know we talk about parenting sometimes it's not that you're it's never <laughs> we wrong we talk about parenting sometimes we, and parenting we never uh, we never criticize our daughters for getting angry no. ever it's a human emotion but what you do with that anger is what we do care about right but what I will say to that is we've talked about this on this show is that we have had to be thoughtful both of us about we don't overtly say it's not okay to be angry, but you and I had a talk. Remember, uh, I think it was about our daughter when she got in the car and she was angry and she turned off the radio and what she was doing with it. Right. But what it, there's nothing violent or inappropriate about turning off the radio. Right. And we can go down that rabbit hole if we want to kind of, my point is, is that hear, hear me out with this. It's not about being critical of you because we've already gone through all of this, but sometimes we, we say things like, our kids aren't going to get in trouble for anger. Mm-hmm. But when they are angry, mm-hmm. we're really not comfortable with it. Right. And so sometimes we think then we need to teach them how to not be that way. Right. But really, anger is fine. It's us being able to be like, like you said, of course, like if she was harmful or whatever, but turning off the radio is mm-hmm. not really... She was basically saying, let's shut it down. I'm angry. Let's be quiet. Right. And there's a feeling of, can I sit in that right. without having to retaliate against it? Or even retaliate is the wrong word, teach anything. Right. Don't you always feel like we feel, you know, we talked about this on Team Zen last week. We're always in teaching mode. Yeah. Instead of like, they're angry right now. Anger's an emotion that's normal. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to let that be. Right. And in that specific example, um, she was um, expressing her anger 
not in a really bad way. Yeah. I happened to be triggered in that moment, Correct. which we owned, which right. I owned right. on the podcast. So, um, and that was less, I, I wanted to bring that up, not to bring that onto you, mm-hmm. but as an example of how as parents, sometimes we say things, right? but the minute that they do what we ask them to do, then all of a sudden they get in trouble, which is stupid. Right. So we're really like saying, oh, it's okay to have every emotion, but then they get angry and we get pissed. Mm-hmm. So anyway, let's go beyond it. Okay. Um, so I was just going to say that there should be more than one word yeah. to describe anger there. Cause there's negative anger, I guess. And there's positive anger that that cat that is a catalyst for change yes right right and i i was reading about i think it's uh whose book uh i wrote down her name because i uh soraya chamali oh her well I, she's I th- the best so we've heard interviews with her oh, I don't know um who she, she is. wrote rage becomes her oh and there was i was reading an article about her book rage becomes her which if it's not out it's coming out and people were t- and she was talking about how sometimes people use anger and rage in the same as synonymous right. and they're not not at all right i would think of rage as a negative part of a, a negative connotation for anger or no well i think sometimes rage is rage, rage for me seems out of control. And maybe, you know what? I don't know because I don't think any emotion is inherently negative. I think rage is like my anger has gotten to a point where I'm not feeling heard, no one's listening, and it's coming out even louder. Yeah. So in in the terms of her book, Rage Becomes Her, I don't think it's a negative. Mm. I think it's saying it's time, mm. that kind of thing. Right. Um, but I have not read her whole right. book. And so. that's very nuanced. Like, I don't know how we would kind of like explore that without knowing what she was talking about. Yeah, well, and again, let's put her book aside for a second. The only reason I bring it up is there's a lot of books coming out by women mm. about anger yeah. and rage right now. You know, Gemma's book, Fed Up, yep. um, you know, Rebecca Traster's book, I think it's called uh, Anger, I, Good, uh, I think it's called Good and Mad, mm. you know, so it's about like how anger is actually helping women shift, Sure, you know, like instead of productive just, anger, ig, you got a good word. Thank you. Okay. All right. So who is Pete Davidson and who is <laughs> Lieutenant Commander Dan Crenshaw? Okay. So first of all, let me just say overall, before we get into Pete and, uh, and what, what is his name? Lieutenant, Lieutenant Commander Dan Crenshaw. Lieutenant Commander Crenshaw. Okay. So he, um, Saturday Night Live started and I really liked the opening monologue and I really liked the first couple of, um, I just felt like it had a tone mm-hmm. that was, I was really felt like I was like engaged in the emotion of what sure. all the skits were about. Um, and then it got to weekend update. This is always where we go to bed. I, I make the girls go to bed at weekend update cause it's, you know, it's late. And so Pete Davidson last week, um, who is on the show, he he was doing kind of a a, a riff on a bunch of um, people who people were, who were running for yeah. you know oh, yeah, running running because they hadn't been elected yet, and he would put up pictures and describe the way they looked, and he would laugh. It was kind of his ways being of being disparaging to people. And then when uh, Crenshaw's picture was put up there, he said something unkind, something I can't even remember something about being a porn star or Correct. something. It was and then said kind of flippantly, oh I you know. I know that guy was in, you know, lost his eye in the war or something. And then he said, whatever, really, whatever. It was yeah. very flippant yeah. and not and respectful, not respectful at all. And so that was last week. That was last week. So all week, 
um, even before the election, but, you know, and on through the week, Pete Davidson and Saturday Night Live was getting a lot of negative feedback, yeah, a lot like, of criticism. What are you going to do with this uh, SNL? Yeah. what You know, Pete Davidson said, when, why are you being so flippant? And so he rose to the challenge. Crenshaw won, mm-hmm. correct? And Crenshaw has an eye patch. Eye patch, yeah. Uh, because he lost his eye to a an IED, IED. Um, and he he barely can see in the other eye either. Yeah. Todd, you know that? I did not know that. Mm-hmm. So he only has one eye, and the eye that he has doesn't even work that well, which you just told mm-hmm. me. So, anyways, so these are three really quick clips. Oh, you're gonna to play it. all three of them? Okay. Um, this is about thirty seconds. So. Let me set it up really sure. quick. So on Weekend Update, I'm totally being Terry Gross right now. Yes. On Weekend Update, Pete Davidson comes on and first apologizes mm-hmm. and does a very vulnerable thing, mm-hmm. like takes ownership, which mm-hmm. we don't see a lot lately. Right. So go Here ahead. we go. Please. Well, I just wanted to say uh, for people that don't know, uh, the reason you're wearing an eye patch right now is that you lost your eye to an IED in Afghanistan during your third combat tour. And uh, I'm sorry. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate you saying that. So we good? We're good. Apology accepted. Just keep breathing. <laughs> Why is that funny, sweetie? <laughs> it's funny because, so Pete says sorry. Lieutenant uh, Crenshaw says that's fine. But then his phone rings and there is an Ariana Grande uh, tone. tone. Yeah. And as we, you may not know, so Todd says, you know, you guys don't always know these things, but um Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande were engaged. They broke up a couple weeks ago. And she's the singer of the song that's yes. playing. It sounds like my phone's ringing. You gonna answer that? No, and I was just gonna let it ring because that's rude to answer. Let's just let it go to voicemail. No, it's cool. Ariana Grande. Well, man. Yeah. Oh, do you know her? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that. All right, so that's the first one. Um, any thoughts on that one, sweetie? Uh, no more than I just said. I just thought that was funny. I All mean, right. you know. So here's the second half. That's funny. All right. <laughs> so last week uh, I made a joke about a picture of you, and I feel like uh, it would only be fair if you got me back and made fun of a picture of me. Does that sound okay? I, I don't really need to do that. No, come on. I, I deserve it. All right, I'll do Please. One. All right. <laughs> and now first impressions with Lieutenant Commander Dan Crenshaw. <laughs> Thanks, Colin. This is Pete Davidson. He looks like if the meth from Breaking Bad was a person. <laughs> Not bad. So there, we're even. All right. Hold on. Well, one more. This is. The, All right. Uh, All he right. looks like a troll doll with a tapeworm. <laughs> yeah, man. All right, that's good. We should wrap this up. Oh, hold on. No, this, this is fun. This is fun. Cool. He looks like Martin Short in the Santa Claus Three. <laughs> By the way, one of these people was actually good on SNL. Okay, but seriously. Um, so that was the second of the three clips. And that's funny, too. And here's the thing. We didn't even, like, uh, d- focus first on the fact that before uh, Lou, I want to say his name right, Lieutenant Commander Dan Crenshaw yep. came on, first Pete apologized without him there. Yes. And then the, you know, then, then Crenshaw came up. on. So that, just the fact. That I he said showed to, up, yeah. I said to Todd, I turned to Todd and I said, gosh, it's been so long since I've seen that, like when McCain used to come on and Romney used to come on and, you know, there was kind of a, um, oh, there used to be a bit of a more bipartisan humor where we could kind of make fun of each other. Mm -hmm. And, and people can sit here and say, well, let's all blame Saturday Night Live. I, 
I believe that they like that better. Yeah. Like they even had Trump on as a host yeah. when he was running and everyone got all over their case, which I can't really say where I am on that because I struggled with that a little bit myself. But that's because, again, we'll get into those reasons after we're done with these clips. Sure. Like there's a difference between someone who has a different uh, political affiliation and who believes different things are important for our country, and then someone who is kind of dehumanizing of people, right. who you give them a voice. So I have a great respect for Lieutenant Commander Crenshaw sure. here, just the fact that he would come on. Mm. So then this is the last thing. There's a lot of lessons to learn here. Not just that the left and right can still agree on some things, but also this, Americans can forgive one another. We can remember what brings us together as a country and still see the good in each other. This is Veterans Day weekend, which means that it's a good time for every American to connect with a veteran. Maybe say thanks for your service, but I would actually encourage you to say something else. Tell a veteran, never forget. When you say never forget to a veteran, you are implying that as an American, you are in it with them, not separated by some imaginary barrier between civilians and veterans, but connected together as grateful fellow Americans will never forget the sacrifices made by veterans past and present, and never forget those we lost on 9-11, heroes like Pete's father. So I'll just say, Pete, never forget. Never forget. And that is for both of us. So what's chilling about that, because I've seen this in preparation of the show a few times, uh, this clip, is you see Pete Davidson's eyes... Um, they're surprised. He didn't know he was going to say that. He didn't know he was going to... I didn't know Pete Davidson's father was killed on 9-11. I did know that. And I don't think Pete knew that that was going to be stated. Correct. And it's just kind of like... I think a lot of people from both sides of the aisle ended up demonizing Pete Davidson mm -hmm. because of what he said to disparage this guy who lost his eye fighting for our freedom. And it's so easy to demonize him and say he's a bad guy. And then the minute that you hear that this young man lost his dad on 9-11, then all of a sudden your heart expands towards him. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that that was a wonderful illustration of that. And that is, if you were going to summarize, which is why we played so many clips from just that one piece of Weekend Update, is that's everything that we need to understand is that we have the capacity to hear each other. We have the capacity to have opposing viewpoints and still understand each other. We have the capacity to ask for an apology and be vulnerable and also to accept an apology and forgive. And we can also see that everybody, you know, it's that uh, it's become cliche, but it's true. Everybody is fighting their own battle. Um, let's figure this out for Pete. If Pete is about 25, 26, mm -hmm. how old was he when his dad was killed in uh, the trade uh, well, towers? Well, that was 17 years ago. So 17 minus 26, he was six or seven years old. So Pete, as a six or seven year old boy, lost his dad in the trade towers and he was a firefighter. Mm -hmm. So can we understand why? Or, or let's not even talk about why. Do we have empathy for that? Sure. And what he has had to experience and that he has also had the, you know, been grateful. To, his father was a hero. Yeah. You know what I mean? He understands that. It's He still made a mistake and he apologized for it, but it's not like one person's good, one person's bad. And 
and that's why Crunchy is so amazing because he understands yeah. that he's a full human. He's an empathetic human. He is like I was so glad our girls were watching that because we we try very hard to uh, demonstrate in this family when there are people who have po- opposing uh, policy viewpoints, but we think of them as um, it, like an empathetic human, a lovely human being, even if they're even if they're let's say Republican. Yeah. We always point out that this is someone we respect. Sure. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they believe different things about policy. Um, they maybe, you know, aren't thinking or along the exact same lines we are about most things. But the way that this human being conducts themselves in the world, we have a lot of respect for them as a human. And we try and do that because our girls get, get an earful a lot about how we feel because we're kind of in activist mode right now, are mm-hmm. we not? So we want to give them a counterbalance of their, we don't have to hate anybody. Right. And, you know. And uh, it's seductive to believe that anybody who disagrees with you is either wrong or bad. Correct. And uh, that seduction is ego. That's comparison. When who we are, as you and I believe in, sweetie, is heart-centered human beings, all of us. All of us. Until one, until we get damaged by, you know, with the exceptions of the genetic psychopaths, sociopaths, which is like 0.001% of the human population, most everybody is good. And the ones who turn out to make bad decisions have... Either been hurt... Yes. ...and are in trauma... Yeah. ...or are in the midst of addiction... Or um, maybe have been struggling with antisocial or sociopathic kind of disorder where they can't even access empathy. But those are like the 0.001%. Most people are just in pain. And, you know, they're they're feeling their own pain. And so they're lashing out in that pain. And we're not even seeing it as pain. We're just seeing it as you're bad, I'm good. And there's no such thing. Um, Now, one thing I want to say, because this always gets a little messy and murky, as we all know, when it comes to politics, is that... I am, uh, and I think most people are very open-minded about having discussions about opposing viewpoints or what would work in a certain scenario or how you believe, you know, what you believe, what I believe. The only time that, um, that I really struggle uh, with viewpoint is when someone is dehumanizing other people, either it or me. Mm-hmm. So um, I was. I think I talked on Team Zen about this. That this language was given to me, and I may have said it last week too. From Bene, it was from Brene Brown. She's the one who said this in such a way that I felt like I can say something similar. Um, like she gave me the right words, which is I will talk all day about different viewpoints and how to change, you know, help the economy or what we can do about our world or or whatever. But as soon as you dehumanize people, as soon as you think that women are less, as soon as you be- believe that people of color don't aren't deserving, as soon as you start to say, oh, because these people are Jewish, they're, you know, you're, you're dehumanizing to them, then the discussion ends. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as, and, and I don't mean ends like... Well, and I think even that is nuanced because there's a lot of people in this population that have those thoughts. And if we cut them all off. I'm not cutting them off, but the discussion. I know. But even within that, there's, I I feel like there's some gray even inside of that. I understand what you're saying. You're saying I don't, and and you know, when I say that, I guess what I mean, I'll, I'll clarify. So it sounds a little more like what I'm trying to convey. I, I, I can't, if someone's like, here's why. Um, 
women shouldn't have these rights because they have smaller brains and because I, I'm not going to dive into a conversation about that. Right. You know, because that's, you're a, there's a belief system there that I'm not saying I'm going to write you off forever and that you're a horrible person, but there's a conversation that I can't have. And I think, I think the way I would, the way this is coming to me, you would, you start to remove yourself Correct. from that engagement. Correct. And depending on the severity of it. Correct. Or the tone of it, you know, if somebody says flippantly about the late, the size of somebody's brains, you know, and it's just like that could be a cutoff. Like, okay, we're done here. Right. That's what um, I mean. Uh, but there's other times when it's not as clear cut as that, and I, I, I just want to be careful with. But re- the hear gray my area. language: dehumanization. Right. If somebody is saying, "I believe in this law," or "I be- believe in law and order," I can have a conversation about law and order. But if your belief system is one whole race right. breaks the law more, right. then we're, I'm going to struggle with that conversation. If you want to talk to me about a uh, a um, a type of law and order that looks at everybody mm-hmm. in the same way and says, okay, let's talk about a solution right. to this that is empathetic, compassionate, fair, and just, I'm in. Yeah. And, and same with our economy, same with, but as soon as you start to talk about a certain population or a certain gender or, or say to me that transgender people aren't really transgender, mm-hmm. I can't have that conversation because of course they are right. like that. And when I say I can't have that conversation, if that person's willing to ask me, ask questions, you know, mm-hmm. say, I don't understand this. Will you explain to me? Absolutely. But as soon as it's mm-hmm. a this isn't real, this isn't true, how do we continue on with that conversation? Well, I'll tell you, and it depends on so many different variables. Correct. What type of mood I'm in that day, yeah. how much sleep I got, depending on what they're saying, what I think they're trying to say, and right. maybe it's coming out a different way. But the way that I don't, I usually don't have the strength or the wisdom or the intuition to do this, but because I have, I've shared on this podcast, I've had friends that have said some really um, dehumanizing uh, language towards women. And I get really triggered and pissed off. And then all of a sudden we're just fighting with each other and not getting anywhere. So what I try to do is ask clarifying questions and engage in a discussion to kind of like bore down Mm -hmm. to the source of how they came to believe that. Some days I don't have that in me. Mm -hmm. Some days, and some days I'm just going to get pissed off and all of a sudden we're going to scream at each other. Other days I'm like, you know what? I'm not dealing with this. Uh, Let's change the topic. But then there's other days where I'm like, all right, I'll lean in to see how we can have this conversation. Absolutely. And I agree with you that it really does depend on your mood. It depends on how the tone of the conversation is going. Because if somebody said to me, for example, because I have had this conversation a lot lately, if they have said to me, um, I don't believe, I believe that women lie about sexual assault, or I don't really think that many women get sexually assaulted. I have a great opportunity to, to, offer some information that they may not have. Right. And I'm willing to do that. I, I believe that that isn't really a dehumanizing. That is a lack of information. Sure. So I think, like you said, the this whole conversation you and I are having right now is nuanced because it, you know, it depends on what language is coming at me. Yeah. If it's questions, I am open. Yeah. If it's, Kathy, you're wrong, these people are bad, this religion's bad, and that's the end of it, mm-hmm. well... Then there's not there's not a lot of respect in that conversation, yeah. and and I you know I can't look at that person and say I respect your viewpoint. Well, and it's funny. I think I'm more likely to to lean into that conversation when it's truly somebody's in front of me, like physically. Where I kind of like to step away is the social media. Oh thing, yeah, me typically. too. Typically, and we've all seen it. You know, it's just you know you. There's one. Th- my sister had a thread a few days ago, 
and there's like 27 comments. 26 of them were from two separate people screaming louder and louder via the Facebook thread. What about ism? Yeah. What about your guy? What yeah. about your so gal? I just I lose interest really super fast. Me too. And and I really kind of feel like you can tell by the words that are chosen about the tone. Mm. I think a lot of people get on social media to uh, to um, feel powerful yeah. and to feel like they have control over something and to dominate. Yeah. And there is a very um, the the desire on social me- media to really be understood or to change minds is. I'm not saying it's not there at all because I've also seen very powerful posts sure. where I've like been like, wow, that's something to consider. Right. But a lot of people are just there to win. Yeah. So. Um, so a few quick things before we move on to whatever you are going to talk about. Um, we did a Zen talk last week. Uh, uh, Zen Talk number 44. These were the highlights. I was jealous of Dax Shepard's podcast because he's <laughs> not only been doing it for less than a year and he's like super famous because of his podcast and because he's a really good actor and he's married to Kristen Bell. And Kathy talked to me and everybody else about good envy and bad envy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kim has a fourth grade son who's showing signs of internalizing his emotions. Mm-hmm. Sandra's 11 year old daughter is way too hard on herself. Mm-hmm. And then I forget who asked this, but there, there's a, a mom who has a toddler in the same preschool with a friend whose dad is a neo-Nazi. Yes, because they lived in a different country. Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah. And they, that kind of, um, what do we call that? Uh, more nationalism? More cons- she used she used a certain word. Obviously, she used neo-Nazi, but that things are starting to change right. and that it's starting to become more overt. Yeah. People are being more, like she said, she actually ran into somebody at the pool or somebody did and the, one of the dads had a huge neo-Nazi, uh, tattoo. neo-Nazi tattoo and what do you say? And I think uh, our, our Zen team member's question was what do I do? Do yes. I completely restrict this um, person? Their children from seeing Yeah, from children. seeing each other and all that. So we talked about that. Um, and then the uh, last thing before we get into your stuff is that uh, we have a Zen friend from last week and a Zen friend is somebody who contributes to our conference oh, yes. scholarship yes, fund. Yes. Uh, her name is Kelsey Holt. Kelsey, thank you. But because I like to give everybody a nickname, or at least when I feel like it, I'm going to call her Kelsey Usain Holt. Because it sounds like Usain Bolt? Exactly. So thank you, Kelsey, for um, supporting the conference in a way to allow for other moms and dads who can't afford to go to it to go to it. Um, are you Are you still using the... Nickname generator? The nickname generator? No, it's no good. I'm just doing it myself now. Okay, I... I don't know. You don't like my Kelsey like Usain your, Holt? No, I get it because you're trying to do a play on words. I thought but, that was one of my better ones. Okay, well. So if you don't like one of my better ones, what do you think of the ones that weren't so good? I, like, I want it to be like where when Kelsey hears her okay, name, Kelsey, she's like... Kelsey Holt, what would you... How would well, you something like it? Kelsey helping the people Holt. Do you know what I mean? Like... <laughs> What did you just say, Kelsey? <laughs> Helping the people, like something where they feel good about themselves. Like, like I love, is it Usain or Usain? I think it's Usain. I, I think you're right. I love him and he's a you know, great runner and everything, but fast. it has really nothing to do with what she's doing. She's not running. So it's, sweetie, there's you no come connection. up with your nickname and then we'll do a poll next week to say okay. which one's better, Kelsey Usain Holt or Kelly Helping People Holt. Yes, Kelsey, not Kelly. Sorry, Kelsey Helping People Holt. Okay, well, you know, that was my just out, off of the top of my head. I could probably come up with something better. Well, I gave myself about, about 30 seconds. Yeah. So you got 20 more so seconds. So let's all give up. ourselves 
like another minute to figure these things out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, but, uh, but thank you to all the Zen friends. And while we're talking about the conference, it is March 8th and 9th. Um, we, this is like the interesting, like gear up time. Like, don't you feel like we're gearing up? Yeah. Because it really gears up in January, like where we're like, that's all we're doing. Yeah. But right now is kind of like, we're getting our partners solidified. Give yourself a Christmas gift. Come to the conference. Holiday gift. Holiday gift. Sorry. And also the, uh, early bird goes away at the end of December. Yeah. So get your ticket now or else you're going to pay extra $50 for no reason. Yeah. Only suckers pay the full price. That's right. Don't do that to yourself. So but if you're, if it's January and you're listening to this in January, you're not a sucker. You're not you're a sucker. Just pay come, it. just pay that just 50 come. bucks. Forget about that sucker comment. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I wanted to So talk- it's 43 minutes in, just I so you understand. know. I understand. I know. We're, we're, we've talked about things we didn't think we were going to talk about, but what I, I want to say that yesterday, um, we were at my daughter's competition most of the day. And then when we got home, we were all kind of tired and Todd had to go do something for work. He had to do a work dinner. And so it was just my daughters and I at home and there happened to be a, uh, a cut version of Bridesmaids on TV. So Todd and I quote Bridesmaids a lot or we talk about it a lot. So it was kind of fun. My younger daughter didn't watch it, but my two older daughters were watching it with me. And again, cut version, everybody. So it wasn't quite as bad. Um, and I just enjoy having those experiences with my daughters where they are something that's so normal in their life are movies that star women, um, especially funny women. And in Bridesmaids, as we all know, there's a lot of situation, a lot of different women, Mm -hmm. you know, like there's not just one stereotypical woman there, you know, it's, and not only that, but the lead woman in Bridesmaids, Kristen Wiig, is she's the decider. Do you know what I mean? Like in the relationship that the main relationship between she and the, the, the police officer played by John Dowd, is it O'Dowd or Dowd? I think it's O'Dowd. He's an Irishman. Yeah. It, she's the one who's feeling too much like I can't get into a relationship. And that's usually the, the dude. Opposite. And, and yeah, I, he's interested. He's respectful. He yes. pursues respectfully. Yes. And she, you know, they get together and then all of a sudden she pulls away. And she's the aloof one. Yeah. She's kind of like in the morning, like, you're trying to change me. Mm-hmm. You're trying to make me something I'm not. That's totally a dude thing yeah. from the movies that I grew up with. And he's kind of left going, what? And and I just love, and, and all the women are so... It, like there's this great scene that where Melissa McCarthy comes over to see the, Kristen Wiig. The pity party. Yes, where she's it, it's this great scene where Kristen Wiig's like I lost all my friends and Melissa McCarthy's like, "Well, that's a really funny thing to hear considering you have a friend right in front of you trying to help you." And again, it's Melissa McCarthy. It's all funny, but there's so much truth in the movie and I just loved watching it with my girls and talking about that. You know, like my girls have grown up with female ghostbusters and bridesmaids and you know they love all the women on saturday night live and they just have a and they grew up with a you know hillary clinton running for president like i for as much as i know that we feel like it's it isn't enough um believe me it's not enough i'm still uh very much focused on furthering what women um 
you know, a just society for women. But at the same time, there's some things that I really appreciate that they get to experience. For sure. And are you about to play something? Oh, it's that pity party part, but it's, I'm trying to find exactly the part. So. Well, I'll move on to this, is that the next movie that came on, as you can see, we were all tired and we were, <laughs> we were just sitting around. Like I was kind of on my computer, JC's kind of doing homework and we had the TV on. And then Pitch Perfect came on. Yeah. A cut version of Pitch Perfect. And my younger daughter had never seen Pitch Perfect. And it was the same thing. I was so happy. Like, I've seen these movies before, but to watch them with my girls in, and I think I took my older daughter to Pitch Perfect the first time, but there was something more enjoyable last night about being with them because it's the same thing. It It is, you know, Anna um, Kendrick's character. She's the lead. She's the aloof one. She's not sure she wants, and when I'm saying aloof, I'm not trying to put her down. Mm-hmm. I'm saying she's the one who's not sure she wants that relationship. And he's like there all the time. And she's like, oh my God, will you leave me alone? Yeah. And I love the difference. Yeah. I love that because that's a full character. It's a girl who, a woman who like is unsure and also really well liked and disliked. And she's like a full human being. Right. She's not that character who's like, come, you know, call me. Yeah. You know, it's so refreshing. And then you've got, you know, all the other girls on the, on the, you know. Well, the, and the these fellas. are, these are storylines that we would rarely ever see yeah. even five years ago. Yeah. We did a thing on the movie Blockers, which is really a non-politically correct movie. Yeah. But the or girls, yeah, the yeah. girls in that were more like the, the typical guys yes. and the guys were more like the typical girls yeah. in movies. Um, so yeah, I think it's a wonderful thing. And this is a quick sidebar. I didn't get a chance to play these clips from uh, Serenade Night Live, but oh, just yeah. talk about different stuff. There is a, um, how do you call it? It's a, mo- a video um, on SNL. Uh, yeah, it's like a pre-taped It's like a music video. video. Mm-hmm. Because Lil Wayne was, uh, he was the musical guest. Yes. And then Keenan and Chris Red also were part of it too. Um, and mm-hmm. the name of the video, it's a bunch of, you know. They're rappers. Rappers. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to play a quick clip. I'm nasty. I bite your booty like an apple. Champagne down your back. Then I drink it like a snapper. What you got, Is your ass on the menu? Okay, sorry. We're just here with our friends. Yes, yeah, sorry, guys. Cool. Have a good night. So, wait. Huh? You're just going to respect our wishes? Hell yeah. Time to change. We also do respectful stuff. So, shake that booty. If you want to drop that booty. It's your joy. If you would love to touch your booty. But we will respect your voice. Drop that booty. If you feel it, drop it low. If you insist, we gon' treat that booty right. Because we allies in this bitch. I'm on a mission for that ass, but first I need permission. Shall we dig walking straight by? So, another example. <laughs> I know a bunch of rappers, and you can you know you can't see this, uh, but it looks like a typical rap video, right? A lot Ladies, of girls, a lot of girls, not a lot of clothes on the girls' bodies, and you. It's the only thing that isn't normal is the lyrics in the song that they're singing, and the name of the video is called Permission. Yeah, and even Lil Wayne, who I don't know if he's a good rapper, bad rapper, a good story, bad story. I don't know much about him. But even he has these lines in here like, no, that you have to get permission. There's a certain part where he talks about hoes and all that. I mean, I actually pull, have it pulled. Well, out, they but. say, you know, they're, they're like, we're going to use girls' names. We're going to ask permission. We're going to respect their wishes. We're going to, we understand consent. I mean, Todd, I kept looking at Todd going, this is great. Like, and I know it's supposed to be a parody, mm-hmm. but parody reflects our society. Yeah. And 
and the thing that I I just it's penetrating our society. Like we are we're recognizing how ridiculous it is that men think, sorry about that microphone, that men think that they can just call you names and touch your body and that they're entitled to it. And what this video, you know, is saying is, no, we got it now. They're they're allies. They're like, we're allies with this. So you really should watch the whole clip. Yeah, it it does not. Just to play the audio, it's probably not translating. I'm going to play this last clip. Okay, go ahead. Both agree my penis won't be shown. Nobody do. Hoes is people too. Oh, I shouldn't say hoes. We can't call bitches hoes no more. Oh, well, what are we supposed to call them then? Oh, they got names. <laughs> That's crazy. You like that? Yo, my mama got a name. She do got a name. Hey, girl, I know got a name. Mm. Thank you for that, man. Appreciate that. Yeah, we need that kind of pushback in our life. Need that pushback. Elaborate, Uncle Buck. We need That's- put. We need pushback in our life. That's right. And they're like, oh, we can't call them those words anymore. What do we call them? Oh, by their name. Right. Like it is so, um, oh, what's the word? I just was happy. Mm. I was like this to me, it's not going to solve all of our problems. No. Uh, SNL. It's you a know, small victory. It's a small point of reference in our pop culture that demonstrates that the things we're discussing are becoming mainstream. And when I say we, I mean, you know, all of us collectively. And I, I find it to be wonderful. And, and that's the thing is like, this is what I wanted to get to as far as the challenge between, you know, because Todd and I wanted to start this show. We knew we were going to talk about those SNL clips about how wonderful it was to see two people be vulnerable, Pete Davidson and, and Lieutenant Commander Crenshaw, be vulnerable and forgive and, you know, be willing to hear and respect each other and see each other's pain. And we we're going to talk about how it's we're kind of all tired of being so angry at each other. Mm-hmm. Um, I am. I'm tired of like that high level of anger like where we're just all seething at each other. I, I loved that moment. It like brought my heartbeat down, like where- It reminded you like, oh. It used to be this way. Yep. We used to like, and then at the very same time, mm-hmm. and, and Todd said to me, now, is this a paradox? And I don't think it's a paradox, nor do I think it's a juxtaposition. I looked up that word and I don't think it fits. Well, good, because I don't know what juxtaposition It's means. when like two things are opposing- um, you know, like two situations are pushing against each other. And I, I don't know what to call this, but I also don't think like I am tired of being anger, angry, but anger is also good. It because serves. anger is what got us to this. Like anger is what propelled the women's march. Yeah. Anger is what uh, helped women speak up about what they're experiencing. Anger is what created Black Lives Matter. Mm. You know, like we need to start saying, you know, this is what the experience is. And we're seeing it on video, right? We're all seeing these tapes. It's productive anger. It's productive. And it's also the, you know, like right now, the LGBTQ, you know, community, the the things that they've had to experience in the last couple months about, you know, having rights, potentially having their rights taken away, Mm -hmm. you know, or the threat of it, or the idea that we can even have that conversation right now. And people, it's so offensive. You know what it is? It's, it's how the anger is expressed. So to march is productive anger to shoot somebody or bomb a building is non-productive anger from either side, because there's plenty of people arguing and people are throwing stones and throwing rocks in each other's direction. But if you're, if you're, if you're creating a movement out of that anger, mm-hmm. that's a good thing. And if your movement is, it, this is, this is where it all stems, Todd. And, and I, and I hope everybody can hear this. If your movement is for a just society for all, 
like where you see yourself as connected with all people, regardless of religion, regardless of race, and you see that everybody deserves the same rights, then I honor your movement. Mm -hmm. You know, as long as you're not hurting anybody in the process because you're seeing everybody. But when people want to start a movement to oppress people, that's what I mean about I can't have a conversation about that with you. I can have a, I'll answer questions about why I don't agree, but I can't be like, oh, I respect your movement. Mm -hmm. I can't respect a movement that oppresses people. Even if they're like, well, this is what we need to do because it's all based in fear. And so my whole point is like that, I was kind of getting off the, the track there, but trying to bring that issue back of why dehumanization, where we start to call people they, mm-hmm. and we start to say they're different or they're rapists or they're going to hurt people. Anytime you start doing that, you're like piling people into this, like this, not only it's worse than a stereotype, it's making them less than, than everybody else. Yeah. And I'm not going to, I'm not okay with that. But if we can use our anger and, and our anger starts to come to a place where it's beyond sadness. It's like, this has to change. And I am willing to shift my life and put some other things on hold so I can focus on this. Or I am willing to speak up to my partner. Like Todd and I just had, I hope you don't mind me talking about this. What do you uh, think? I was going to, I know you don't. You, Todd's wonderful about these things. Um, but he and I were having a conversation in the car yesterday. Um, and we were listening to the third episode oh, yeah. of Serial. Yeah. So for those of you who are listening to the new Serial, basically it's like every episode is different because they're in a courtroom. And so you're kind of, they're in Cleveland, I think. Mm-hmm. And the third episode, they were talking about uh, judges. Sure. And one of the judges is a very kind of stereotypical fear, shame judge, uh, a man. And he's a white man. And the what he really does is most of the people that come before him in the courtroom um, happened to be uh, African-American, I think he's, and some Latino men, I think. Uh, everybody, but that's primarily. And he's kind of um, disrespectful and shaming to them. Now, at the same time, your point was he also... Puts him on probation says it throws him in, instead of throwing him into jail. So he doesn't put a lot of people behind bars. He puts them on probation, which is... Giving him a chance. Giving them a chance. So I will give him that. But he, Todd was saying, well, I'm so glad he does that, or I like that he does that. And I kind of pushed back on Todd a little bit. And I said, listen, I understand why you are appreciative of the probation thing, but he's also very disparaging to people. And he's using a lot of, like, he speaks to them. He calls them brothers. And he talks about baby mamas. And he's like, how many kids do you have? He's, he, he's trying, he's, what he said in his interview is, I don't have time to be politically correct. Mm. And I get so frustrated when people say that. If you that. have time to be politically correct, you certainly have, t- you have time. If you have time either way, you have, it's not, it takes that much more time to not use the word brothers or baby mommy. You right. can insert the correct word is man, gentleman, whatever. Right. It doesn't take that much more. So like what I was saying is, I like what he's doing. I don't like how he's doing Correct. it. Correct. And that's what you explained to me. And But there's two parts of that that I wanted to speak up about. Number one is that I'm so thankful to you, Todd, but also I will say thankful to myself because I didn't always used to speak up about those things. I'd be like, oh, I understand where Todd's coming from. I'm not going to say anything. Uh, and now I am at a point now with with Todd or with anybody else or, or when I'm giving a, a, a lecture or I'm teaching my students, I don't try and rationalize everything I'm saying anymore. This is what's right. And I don't mean my policy or, but this is how 
you know, this is not okay. Or can you understand why this may not be okay? Mm -hmm. Instead of trying to just be quiet and like be palatable to everybody. Because I used to just want to be really appeasing and fit in. Don't make waves. And that's just not going to work anymore. Like, because first of all, that was shoving down what I believe. And so I was hurting myself and betraying, but also that's what we, that's what anger has helped me with Mm -hmm. is when, when a white man says, I don't have time to be politically correct. My comment is, but everyone around you has to be to appease you. Mm-hmm. So where did you think you came into this world any different? I mean, I, I know white men come in the world differently. They're already born well, on third base. And plus he's a judge. Right. I mean, he's, there's so he's many. He's on a bench that is physically elevated. You're he right. wears these black robes. You're right. Yeah, it's hard for a judge not to think that his poop don't stink. Exactly, and I understand that, and at the same time, I'll push back on it. That's what my anger has helped me with, is I, I not push back on the fact that he's a judge, but that you you can be a judge and be a white man and be all those things, and I still will not say you have the right to disparage people. And I would agree with you. That you... But it's not it's not a surprise. No, I'm not surprised. Yeah. The, the difference... What I'm trying to say is that before I would, it would not be a surprise. So I'd accept it as normal mm-hmm. and I would stay quiet yeah. or maybe tell you, but not talk about it outwardly. Where now I would say, my whole life I've had to be thoughtful about what I say to you, to women, to I've had to always think about what I say. So when someone walks in a room and says, I don't want to think about what I say, I'm going to say whatever I want, who do you think you are? Mm-hmm. Because everybody here, especially people of color, and people who are, you know, you know, they have to tiptoe around every word they said. If they say the wrong thing to the police officer, to the teacher, right? They um, are. We just listened to uh, that other uh, podcast. Um, uh, the guy from Making a Murder was being interviewed by uh, who? By Dax. Uh, by Dax, and they're talking about how all these men of color are in jail for smoking weed. Right. And, or crack. You talked about crack, crack yeah. in the 90s. That yeah. was like the drug of choice on the streets. Yet um, no co- cocaine right. was like a white collar white man's drug and nobody got arrested for that. It's kind of like you go to a Grateful Dead concert or a Dave Matthews concert. I mean, you smell weed everywhere. Yeah. Nobody's getting arrested. No. Uh, but you go into the inner city, then all of a sudden you everybody's got a bag getting, of weed on you. Yeah, yep, exactly. And that's the thing is like, can we see that for what it is? Will you just be honest about what it is? Mm. And that's you know, this is where we are now. That's what I mean about there's more of an on, anger creates for me an honesty. Yeah. Like, can we just say what's really happening here rather than beating around the bush and me trying to make sure? You know, we talked a few weeks about. Uh, weeks ago about being a cool girl. I got a lot of emails from people about that. Good emails saying, thank you for recognizing this cool girl syndrome that we all have to experience where we have to be like not affected and fine with you being disparaging and misogynistic and over-sexual and, you know, fine with that because we can handle it. And their anger, what it does is it finally makes you go, no, Mm -hmm. this is not okay. Now the key is, this is going to bring the whole show together, Todd. You ready? Let's tie Let's the loose ends. it together. Is can we, like you've already said, but use our anger effectively, yet still keep our hearts mm-hmm. and be compassionate. And when people do ask for forgiveness or they're vulnerable, realize we can forgive, that we don't always have to have an arch enemy. Yeah. You know, Lieutenant Crenshaw, Dan Crenshaw could have said, Screw that. Forget it. I'm not going on SNL. I'm not going on SNL. That's not what Republicans do. And I demand an apology. You got it. He didn't do any Any of of that. that. He said, I will go there. And I see that kid 
Mm-hmm. I see him. He's not, probably not that much younger than the lieutenant, but you know, like I see why that kid's in pain. Meeting Pete Davidson, mm-hmm. you know, and I I honor him as a human being. Well, and I wonder if, and this, I don't want to understate or undermine what Lieutenant Colonel Crenshaw his intentions, but I wonder if it played into his decision that he knew that his dad was a firefighter who went up a staircase and died on 9-11. Oh, I'm sure it did, but, and that's great. Yeah. Because that, great meaning that I hope it did play Mm. into it because it gave him perspective on this guy. And also, I think he took, if I read an article um, about it this morning, and he also realized that it's Veterans Day. Yep. And he had an opportunity to speak to a lot of the country, not everyone, but a big you know, portion of the country about respecting veterans yep. and saying never forget. And I learned something from that. Yep. So so really the key is we, we talk about the same things every week. Yeah. Do you realize that? Yes. The key is your anger can create change. Anger is fine. But then can we use the anger effectively and not to harm or dehumanize or not to go into fear, but use it to speak up for ourselves and our lives and the people we love. I have found that the anger that has come up the most where I'm able to speak up about it has deeply, um, has made my relationships deeper, like definitely with you. Mm -hmm. Like when I get angry about something and I can share with you, we just get closer and closer and closer. And, you know, like I, you know, I don't want to talk about this too much, but like, you know, a few members of your family who there used to be a struggle and there's none anymore because we can speak up about it. You know, that's really great. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes anger pushes you to that point of taking that risk to speak up. And if you can, Say it and also realize that that person across from you who you're angry with is a human being too. Right. Well, and to summarize everything we've said over the last hour and four minutes, um, as an exercise of empathy, hurt people hurt people. And I know we've said that a million times on this and you might be sick of hearing us say that, but when I get mad at somebody or something or some situation, I just remember that. And that at least puts me in a position to maybe look at it a little bit differently. And I'll say one more thing. Mm-hmm. This show was Freddie Mercury, SNL, Mike Myers, Wayne's World, Pitch Perfect, Bridesmaids, and what else? What else did we talk about? Uh, I don't know. And I feel like you played one more clip from something else. Uh, the music video. Yeah, that was SNL, though. But anyway, a lot of different ways. I like using... Pop culture? Pop culture. So do we. Yeah, so do I. I think yeah. it's all right. I well, it it makes it brings it home to me. Well, it's fun for us. Yeah, we're gonna do stuff that we think is fun. Hopefully, people listen. It's fun. Um, we have two iTunes reviews. Uh, oh, Toddy, are they better than last time? One is from Denuffner. I had a difficult time finding a podcast that resonated with my new motherhood hat while maintaining my deep need for self-development. Then I found Zen Parenting Radio, and it has checked both of those boxes and gave me some new pieces of information that I didn't even know I needed before I began listening. I'm thoroughly enjoying the way they weave current events with their own trials and Ah. tribulations of parenting. I feel like each podcast is tailored to me as I am deeply involved with today's political climate, but they give me hope as how to navigate this landscape without losing myself or becoming too disheartened. Oh, well, that's good because that's basically what the show is about. The other one was from Artsy Type okay. from the USA. They're both from the USA. I'm directly responding to a review in episode 463 
which picks on Todd for calling Kathy sweetie. <laughs> on behalf of bitter divorced people everywhere, let's set the record straight. Using a pet name for your spouse because you genuinely, genuinely love them is not a problem. It's a goal to which so many can aspire. Your kind, open discussions with one another have reminded me why I was not where I belonged. Mm. It's reassuring to hear a real couple take on life in an open, grateful way that embraces each other and grows together. If I ever find myself in another relationship, it will be one with which I am with someone who honors me as you both honor each other. Never stop being you because an ornery, ornery curmudgeon found fault with your style of communication. Keep inspiring us. I, for one, certainly need it. I know I'm not the only one. That Yay, Toddy. Wonderful. Hey, whoever wrote that, thank you. That was That's really lovely because um, I agree with you. I you know, sometimes when, like, you know, we talked about last week when people push back about loving language or being considerate of each other and they think it's cheesy, I, I'm like, that's fine Mm -hmm. because I wouldn't want it any other way. And, you know, we're not doing it for them. That's right. Meaning this is just kind of the way of things. Um, Avid Company is our partner or one of our weekly partners, and they do painting and remodeling throughout the Chicagoland area. So do yourself a favor and call the bald-headed beauty that I like to call Jeremy. His phone number is 630-956-1800, and his website is avidco.net. And then uh, lastly, don't forget about our virtual sex talk, which is tomorrow. You could be on the other side of the world and join us. Uh, we don't do these very often. So no, we don't. jump in while you can. And I'm going to finish the podcast with a little bit more from Queen. Thanks for listening, everyone. Remember to subscribe to Zen Parenting Radio so you never miss an episode. And feel free to leave a review on iTunes. It helps people find us. Do you want more Zen Parenting? Check out Team Zen. It's 25 bucks a month where you'll get two live Zen Talks with an opportunity to ask us live questions. If you can't join us live, don't worry. You can still access all Zen Talks through the Team Zen Podcast app. You'll have access to all previous Zen Talks, connect with like-minded people through our private Facebook page, and get discounts on everything that we offer. Get your tickets for our annual Zen Parenting Conference on March 8th and 9th, 2019. Get your brave on with Glennon Doyle, Abby Wambeck, Julie Lithcott-Hames, and Devorah Heitner, and enjoy a weekend in a warm and friendly environment of like-minded people. Tickets are available at zenparentingradio.com. Sweetie, it's going to be off the hook. I know. Um, interested in inviting us to speak at your conference or organization? Go to zenparentingradio.com and submit a speaker request. While you're there, check out our upcoming events, or you can purchase one of my three books. They're not your three books. Well, your three books. Thank you. If you ever shop via Amazon, you can help us out by first going through the Amazon link under the Support Us on our homepage. It doesn't cost you anything, but we get a small commission from Amazon. Um, guys, want to achieve a better work-life balance or deepen your relationship with loved ones good news i coach guys we can talk in person by phone facetime you choose if you're in chicago contact me about the tribe it's an opportunity for guys to come together and talk about what really matters and don't forget about our 2019 unplug connect and transform retreat more more on that later 
Special thanks to our founding partner, Jeremy Kraft from Avid Painting and Remodeling. Thanks for your love and support, Jeremy. Sweetie, he's a bald head of beauty. I know this. All right, everybody, keep trucking. See you next week. Adios. <laughs>